Hello and welcome to a special Screen Picks podcast. I'm your host, Phil Wallace, in our Screen Picks studios in Los Angeles. We have a great show for you tonight as we are going to go over all 23 Oscars and try to predict who will win each of them and help you win your Oscar pool. We have a great cast of characters here on our podcast. First joining us, uh, as always, in Spokane, Washington, we have Joel Amos. Joel, how are you doing? Doing awesome. Thank you very much, Phil. How are you? Great, great. And we have in uh, Burbank, California, Andrew Payne. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Great. And joining us uh, from 710 ESPN AM, as well as the Culture Pop podcast, Steve Mason joining us as a special guest. Steve, how are you doing? Hey, thanks. I'm excited to uh, to do this. This is my favorite time of year. I love this night. Great. Now, Steve, before we begin, I uh, want to talk about your podcast real quick, the Culture Pop Podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Where can you find it? What's it about? Yeah, sure. I do the show with uh, my friend Sue Kalinsky. Sue and I did the morning radio back at WNEW in New York back uh, a few years ago, and uh, we kind of reunited to do this show. Uh, cool celebrity interviews, people like uh, Brian Cranston and Ellen Burstyn and Paul Reiser, and the list you know goes on and on. Uh, plus, uh, you know, screenwriters and and especially during award season, uh, somebody like Troy Kotzer came onto the show from uh, from oh, uh, Korea. So, uh, really, really good guests, and you can get it on uh, Apple and Spotify. Really proud of that show. Great, great. Is that the same Sue Kalinsky who on your radio show used to like? Ask a pre nineteen eighty one trivia question. Yes, wow, you. Really <laughs> yeah, I remember that. The Mason and Ireland show. Yeah, that's crazy, Sue. Crazy, Sue Kalinsky. Okay, got it. Great. Well, let's uh, talk about uh, best picture first. We'll go best picture. We'll go all the way down to best live action short. Uh, we'll also talk about some of the other Oscar news as well, if we if we have some time to get it in. So, best picture. We have ten nominees this year. The nominees are Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up. Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. And uh, Joel, I will start with you. A few weeks ago, we were all like, I guess Power of the Dog's going to win, but none of us are thrilled about it. <laughs> to, oh my gosh, Coda can win. Uh, after winning the Producers Guild and the SAG Awards, it's Kind of even money with Power of the Dog, which which won the BAFTA and the Golden Globe, which no one cares about anymore, and uh, the Critics' Choice Award. So, Joel, what do you think? This is shaping up to be a, a, a really interesting Best Picture race. Uh, yeah, it actually is for, for once. Um, but it's funny because I, I mean, I've been Team Coda since I saw the movie in the final quarter of 2021. It just spoke to me, and it just seemed like the perfect movie that we need right now. Um, and it's just so touching that you can watch with the whole family, um, particularly older teens, and have a nice discussion after. And it just it stuck with me. And I, after it was over, I was like, you know what? I think I just watched the Best Picture winner. And then Belfast came out, and then you know all these movies came out. And I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I, I was a little early on that one. But I, I still stuck by my guns with Coda, and, and I'm just thrilled to see it kind of, as we've talked on this show before, it's, it's, it's strange, but it seems to be all about momentum. And you can just feel the seismic shift towards Coda in the last couple of weeks. <clears throat> and this guy couldn't be more delighted. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I talked to an Oscar voter 
on Saturday. I was, I was with, I always tell you with one Oscar voter, I, I like know well, <laughs> what, what he voted for. And usually he, he votes for the award that has no chance of winning, but uh, for the movie that has no chance of winning. But I asked him, who are you voting for this year? And he said, I'm voting for CODA. He said, uh, and granted, there's 10,000 people in the Academy, so take it, take it for what it's worth. He said, um, you know, it's a dark time and it's the movie we need right now. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, I'm voting for CODA. And he even said, I saw Power of the Dog and I hated it. And I was trying to figure out what I missed. So I watched it a second time and I still hated it. So <laughs> hated. At, least, at least he's doing his diligence. Some voters won't even bother watching all the movies. But Andrew, given all that, um, what's what's happening with the precursors? What do you think? Who 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 is your pick to win Best Picture? So let me let me throw a couple statistics out that would that would indicate that Coda, just how unprecedented it would be for Coda to win. So in the history of the Oscars, no movie that has been neither nominated for a BAFTA for Best Picture, which Coda was not nominated for a BAFTA for Best Picture, yes, or nominated for a Directors Guild of America award, which Coda was not, yes. has won Best Picture. It's never happened in the history of the Oscars. This would be the first time that that would happen. And then also since 1935 or 36, when they expanded the Oscar category to include supporting actor and a couple other things, um, the fewest number of nominations ever for a Best Picture winner is five. Coda has three. So it is so much different than every other movie that has ever won Best Picture. Um, but what's interesting is the last three Best Picture winners, Nomadland had six, Green Book had five, Parasite had six. So recently, isn't it, it hasn't been like the kind of the clean sweep nomination. I still think Coda's going to win because of the Producers Guild. That's the only award that does the same preferential ballot that the Oscars do. I feel like if it was a straight vote, it would probably be Power of the Dog. But I think that Coda's going to end up winning because of the preferential ballot. But but I'll throw one out for people who want to be a contrarian in their Oscar pool and try to win it with just one award. And I would not count out Belfast because of the preferential ballot system. Yeah, I could see that being one that a lot of voters go second or, or third, yep. um, and, and becomes like a shock winner. And if, if your if your pool scored like Phil's is, best picture is worth a lot. And if you could be the only person who gets best picture right, you could win your whole pool right there. Uh, but I still, I'm, I'll probably put Coda down. It's a safer choice, but it would really be unprecedented for a movie that that has had this pedigree to end up winning. Well, I I will point out with the Producers Guild. I think three of the last six Producers Guild Award winners were not Best Picture winners. So 1917 won the Producers Guild, and that year, of course, it went to uh, to Parasite. Uh, a few years back, it was uh, La La Land. Of course, that was the year Moonlight shocked everyone. And then The Big Short actually won Best, uh, the one the Producers Guild, um, in the year that Spotlight won Best Picture. So it's, you know, weird things are starting to happen. Um, and I will also point out that I didn't realize this. 25% of the Academy is now international. And the power of the dog actually plays well internationally, much better than CODA does, despite having a British lead actress, believe it or not. So given all that, uh, Steve, who do you like? Who do you think will win Best Picture? 
Well, I saw Coda last July and thought that's the best movie I'm going to see this year. And I, it has not changed. It's my favorite movie of the year. It's the one with the most heart. It's the one that uh, gets me at the end. I don't know anybody who's not reduced to a puddle of tears uh, at the end of Coda. It is a feel-good movie. And uh, I am the same with as you guys. I am not a fan of Power of the Dog. Um, and I think, again, because of the preferential balloting, you're going to see Coda hanging on with a lot of twos and a lot of threes where there's a much more divisive movie in Power of the Dog. I, Coda is my favorite movie of the year. I think it's going to win. The precursors point to that now with the PGA and the WGA and the SAG. So I'm going to go Coda. Interesting. Now, I, I'm still on the fence. I'm, I'm leaning Coda. I, I'm with you, Andrew. I think Belfast still has a shot to, to kind of surprise from out of, out of left field because I do think some Europeans may, may leave Coda off or, or make it ninth or 10th. But I, I think enough people didn't like Power of the Dog that Coda's got a real shot. Um, and Coda, you know, I can understand it being the odds on favorite here. I, I want to go around. Steve, I'll start with you. Um, if you were a voter and you were given this ballot, what would be, you just said Coda's your number one, but what would be your one, two, three? Uh, I would go Coda, West Side Story, Licorice Pizza. Interesting. And Andrew, what would be your one, two, three? So <clears throat> the way that I always think about Best Picture, and, and we've talked about this before on this podcast, is looking back five, ten years from now, what was the movie of that year? So that, that's sort of the criteria that I have, not my personal preference, but like what was the movie? So my three, two, one would be three would be drive my car. I thought that was just an excellent, perfect, deliberate movie. Two would be licorice pizza. But if I was voting for the movie of the year, it would be Dune. I would vote Dune mm. number one. Interesting. And Joel, what about you? If you're a voter, you're handed this ballot. What do you vote as your one, two, three? Um, it's funny. Um, you were talking about Belfast earlier. I actually watched it. For for a second time with my mother last week and it hit me even harder than it did the first time and i'm still team coda but i could see what you guys are saying how it could slip in there but that being said my three is three licorice pizza two belfast one coda interesting you know i have i have the exact same one two three as you Joel. i absolutely love coda I've, it's the only one i've seen twice but there's something about belfast with the war in ukraine right now that it, it's suddenly feeling a little bit timely um, I don't know, but maybe Coda is the, is the movie we need right now. All right, uh, let's move on and talk about Best Director. Um, Jane Campion has won every single precursor so far. She won the Director's Guild. She's won all of the other uh, awards, the Critics' Choice, etc. She did have a controversial comment, if you even want to call it that, at the Critics' Choice Awards where she said that Serena and Venus Williams didn't have to play against the guys, which she, she does, um, and she apologized for it. Andrew, is, is that enough to, to make, I don't know, Kenneth Branagh? I don't know who even your number two is here. Paul Thomas Anderson? Yeah. Is that enough to, to lead to an upset, or is this just Jane Campion's to lose here? So, so that's the reason why I can't take her off, because I don't know who number two would be. Um, sure, that was a – I mean, she was – seemed like she had had a few at the, uh, at the at the award show ceremony before she got up there. Um, so that's probably why she said a few things she wished she hadn't. Um, but I, I, I think it's hers to lose. I, I know that a year ago I predicted that Paul Thomas Anderson, well, I said someone with the last name of Anderson 
All right. Steve, do you agree? Is this just Jane Campion's to lose here? Well, yeah, I think Jane Campion's going to I thought I thought the comment, and she apologized, was pretty – we're getting very jumpy. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting very <laughs> jumpy over stuff. I, I, I read afterwards this might hurt her, and I'm like, no, this isn't going to hurt her. Jane Campion, she's the only woman in the history of motion pictures to be nominated for Best Director twice, uh, which, I, which I find really, really interesting. I, I think she was going to win here. Yeah, Joel, you know, if she wins, she'd be just the third woman ever to win, but two in a row potentially after uh, Chloe Zhao last year. Uh, you're also on the Jane Campion bandwagon? Um, yeah, I mean, my feelings on her movie have been made clear, but it's it's kind of hard to argue. It, it is a gorgeous movie. I mean, the way it's shot, the use of lighting, the use of shadows. Uh, I mean, it's some pretty incredible filmmaking. So, I mean, there are... There are worse best director possibilities than Jane Campion. Um, and I think it, it would bode well for the Academy to have her win because not only would it be two in a row uh, female directors winning, but it would be two in a row for Jane. So she makes two movies, she wins two Oscars. And I just think there's some symmetry there. And plus, she's been winning everything along the way. Um, but this, you know, when I'm doing it, the predictions on my site, this was a category I felt like I needed to break down into who will win and who should win. And I feel like this may be that category that, that you know, there is the person who's going to win, but the person who should win isn't the same. Who should win, Joel? <sighs> See, Andrew and I, I mean, we, 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 we love our Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm in that exact same club. Okay. For... Well, then the three of us are all yeah. huge fans of the guy. And, and, it's, it, and I think Andrew said it, and I'll just reiterate it. it it's a crime that a man doesn't have an Oscar. And I think he'll get one, but we'll get to that category later. The fact that he's not winning for, for a director, it, it's just such a crime. And then, again, watching Belfast again last week, uh, uh, that is a phenomenal piece of work as a director, I thought. And, and, and that's the stuff I picked on, picked up on the second viewing. But I, I don't think either one of those gals has, has a chance. All right. Um, let's move on and talk about Best Actress. Um, this is, I think, after picture, the second most interesting Oscar of the night. Uh, for a while, we were saying this was the most competitive, but maybe there's, there's a clear favorite now. So the nominees here are Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye Baker, um, or just The Eyes of Tammy Faye, I should say, Olivia Colman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. So you have three women who have won before in Coleman, Kidman, and Cruz. Cruz was a supporting winner. Um, the other two were, were Best Actress winners. Then you have uh, Chastain, who's been nominated before but never won, and then Kristen Stewart, a first-time nominee here. Um, you know, Steve, I'll start with you here. This this was shaping up to kind of be the award that would influence the Oscar polls because people didn't know are they going to give it to Coleman again, Kidman again. But after winning the Critics' Choice and the SAG, it seems like momentum is trending towards Jessica Chastain. Um, but what do you, what do you think, Steve? Who's going to win Best Actress? There's a there's a moment where I did my Oscar preview for my podcast about two weeks ago, and I thought it could go any of I could make a case for any of the five um, because of 
the SAG Awards and because of the Critics' Choice, I now think it's definitely going to be Jessica Chastain. I know there's this idea that somehow Kristen Stewart, who was left out of the SAG Awards uh, nominations, uh, that, that there's this groundswell for her. I don't necessarily uh, buy into that at all. I think Jessica Chastain uh, wins here, and there's not as much drama in this category as I once thought there was going to be. You know, it's, it's interesting. Kristen Stewart, for the longest time, we were talking about as the favorite for this um, in the early, early campaign. And then, I don't know, I finally watched Spencer and <laughs> I had a lot of trouble getting through it. I was like, this really? Really? This one? Not, I think she's good, but not not a winner. I, I don't know. Joel, I know you didn't love uh, the eyes of Tammy Faye, but what do you think here? I, I mean, I'm... I've been reading the tea leaves since I was like 12 with this Oscar stuff. And, and again, you start to feel that change that happened a couple weeks ago. Same thing with Best Picture. I feel it here too. I feel there's no way that Jessica Chastain loses. I mean, she's been nominated before. The Academy loves her. She's beloved in Hollywood. Uh, I, I think she'll give a great speech. And plus, I know a lot of people are pulling for Kristen Stewart, but you know, you brought up uh, uh, Coda and, and having a very few nominations. But after missing the, the, I think it was the SAG and the BAFTA, uh, Penelope Cruz and Kristen Stewart would be the first actresses in modern history to win an Oscar without their movie getting a single other nomination. Mm. So that does not bode well for her. And then, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of, you know, and then you look at how things have been going and you, you got to go with the eyes of Tammy Faye. And I just, I didn't care for the whole thing, how it was put together. But I appreciate that performance. I mean, it's like I wasn't a huge fan of the Iron Lady, but I thought Meryl Streep was amazing. Yeah. You know, it, it is interesting, though. The SAGs have not been the um, automatic guarantee that the people think it is for predicting some of these awards. Two years ago, or I should say uh, last year, Viola Davis won uh, the SAG for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And then Frances McDormand won the Oscar. Uh, a couple years back, Glenn Close won the SAG for The Wife, and, but the Oscar went to Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, which was you know definitely an upset back then. Um, there haven't been, that's just two of the last uh, three years, I guess. Um, so it's, it's certainly not a sure thing. Uh, I think the Critics' Choice Award though also, even though none of the Oscar voters are also Critics' Choice Award voters, but Andrew, it seems like, maybe the, just the the two of them the two awards kind of have swung all the momentum to chastain now what do you think yeah i agree with that i just i don't i i want to call an upset here because there just isn't enough like kind of precursor data to suggest that that jessica chastain is a lock necessarily um and the, thi- and the thing that's so interesting is you look at the BAFTAs, nobody who got nominated for a BAFTA got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, so there's crazy. nothing to look at there. <laughs> Literally nobody. And there were six BAFTA nominees. Um, so I, I want to I go, I want to say Kristen Stewart can win. I want to say that Nicole Kidman can win or Olivia Coleman, but I just, there doesn't seem to be any momentum behind any of them. Like, when Frances McDormand won and, and beat Viola Davis, that seemed like kind of more of a toss-up. This seems like a, a category with the two favorites, and it, it just seems like it would be pretty surprising for Chastain to not end up walking away after winning the Critics' Choice SAG. 
uh, in the last few weeks. So I think she's going to end up winning it. it. It's it's kind of a weak. It's I mean it's usually a weak category, unfortunately, but this is another weak category where there isn't like oh yeah that person definitely deserves to win. Um, so I think she's kind of like winning by default here. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I, it. I think if you're in a pool and you want to make a safe bet, you have to go with Jessica Chastain. But if, if you're looking to maybe get some extra points and, and take a chance somewhere, then maybe you go with Olivia Coleman or Nicole Kidman. I, I don't even know which one of the two you would go with. Nicole Kidman did win the Golden Globe, but that doesn't really mean anything anymore. So um, I think the safe bet here is Jessica Chastain. Uh, real quick, though, let's go around. Uh, Steve, I'll start with you. If you were a voter, who would you vote for if you were handed this ballot with these five women? I would vote for Nicole Kidd. I, I loved her in that movie. It's been, I don't know, how many years has it been since she's won an Oscar? It's been a long time. It's been like 20 years yeah, since 20 the hours. Um, yeah, I, I would vote for Nicole Kidman. I thought she was uh, fantastic in Ricardo's. Joel, who would you vote for? I'm going to have to agree with Steve. Um, that was that was the best part of that movie. I mean, when she was first cast, people were like, I don't see it. And it's not about seeing it, it's about being it. And she was it. She was Lucille. And there's no question at the end of that movie for me. Yeah, I'm looking here. Ours was 20, uh, it was 2002. So yeah, 20 years. Wow, 20 years. Um, and uh, Andrew, who would you vote for? I hate to be boring, but I have to agree. Um, I, I remember what, I, I hated that movie, but I thought she was, and I'm not allowed to write in a lot of Himes, who I've voted Yeah, you know, I, I would actually, I agree. I would probably vote for Alana Haim, too, for licorice pizza. But if I'm handed this ballot, I agree with you guys. I would go with Nicole Kidman, too. She was phenomenal. Although I haven't actually seen The Eyes of Tammy Faye. So um, I'll, I'll be fair there. The, the other person, by the way, we didn't talk about it on our Snubs podcast. But now that Coda is getting all this attention, Amelia Jones... She had to learn sign language for that role. You know, the movie doesn't work without her in the lead. She was great. And, and you know, unfortunate. She was great. I would probably vote for her above any of the nominees. I would, too. I would, I would too. too. I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. We're in unison on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk about Best Supporting Actress. Uh, we'll, we'll make this a little quicker here on the supporting categories. Um, Andrew, I'll start, or Joel, I'll start with you. Uh, the nominees. Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, and Anjanu Ellis for King Richard. Um, Joel, Ariana DeBose has won every precursor. Um, any reason to believe she won't win here? Nope. Okay. Nope. Um, I think this is about as close to a lock as you're going to get. And even though I, I, for a long time, was hoping that Anjanu Ellis would would walk away with it, but it's just not looking like that's going to happen. So, um, yeah, absolutely, uh, Ariana DeBose. She's amazing. All right. Andrew, you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> She's a lock. And, and Steve, what do you, do you agree? Yeah, 100% lock. She's, yeah. she's one of the best things about a really underrated movie this year. You know, what's interesting is if she wins, I, I mentioned this before, it would be the first time that two women were awarded an Oscar for playing the same character the same person uh because rita moreno won the oscar for playing the same role back in what was it 61 uh for west side story also for best supporting actress all right um you know what i just realized i skipped best actor <laughs> um 
Do we all agree? Is it Will Will Smith? Do we all just agree? Yes. 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 Okay. Yes, absolutely. And that's going to be a great moment to see him. For Andrew Garfield, but uh, yes. but Will Smith Me is too. is the guy. You yeah, would have. I was surprised when I saw that movie. I thought Andrew Garfield was terrific in that movie. Amazing. Um, but I thought Will Smith was also terrific in, in King Richard. So yeah, I mean, and it's Will Smith. Come on, it's the Willennium. He's got he's got to win. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, it's hard to believe that guy who was on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is going to win an Oscar for Best Actor, but uh, so be it. And then uh, Best Supporting Actor, I'll make this one quick here. You know, in the early days of the campaign, we were all saying Cody Smith-McPhee, but Troy Kotzer has now won every single precursor. Does anyone think someone besides Troy Kotzer will win? No. No. No, it's absolutely him. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's fantastic in that movie. It's, it's He's great. I mean, that, that moment where he puts his hands on her throat as she's singing mm -hmm. is just... And then he speaks, you know, his one line of dialogue or his one word at the very end is, is like the emotional flashpoint of the whole thing. I, I think he's amazing in that film. Yeah. I, I, a gift. You guys don't know this, but I have a, a cousin. Actually, she's been on this, these podcasts in the past, Lolita Marcus. Um, she uh she can hear perfectly but she has two deaf parents and so she herself is a coda and troy kotzer just reminds me so much of her father um obviously both deaf but um yeah they really really play it to to a t for sure um all right let's move on to best original screenplay so the nominees here we have belfast with kenneth Branagh being nominated uh don't look up with adam mckay uh, King Richard, Zach Balin, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, and then the surprise nominee out of Norway, uh, Eskil Vogt and Joachim Trier, I must have said that wrong, uh, The Worst Person in the World, which I've heard, although I didn't see it, was a fantastic movie. Um, all right, I will start, I'll start with Steve this time. Uh, what do you think about Best Original Screenplay? Well, I think... I'm, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder, but I have a feeling we're all going to go the same place. I, I love Paul Thomas Anderson, and I don't really want to live in a world where Paul Thomas Anderson doesn't have an Academy Award, so he's my choice in this category. Andrew, I know you have strong feelings as my cat runs across the screen. Um, <laughs> you have strong feelings about the great director, Paul Thomas Anderson, potentially winning his first Oscar as a screen uh, for screenplay. Can you t talk about that? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like I said before, think of like the three best American directors of the last 30 years, Quentin Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson, Spike Lee. None of them have won an Oscar for best director. Spike Lee won one for screenplay, Tarantino's won two for screenplay, and now Anderson is probably going to win for screenplay, though he lost to Adam McKay for the WGA for Don't Look Up, which I think was kind of a surprise there. And I also wouldn't count out Kenneth Branagh here. Uh, for Belfast. I think the issue that I have is, like I said, Licorice Pizza was my personal favorite movie of the year. I thought it was fantastic. Does it even have a screenplay? Like, it's just like a <laughs> bunch of stuff that happens. It's not like a story. And that's why, to me, it's such a director's film. It's like a perfect tonal movie, like a weird, wacky tone that's like borderline satire the whole way through it. And he should win an Oscar for directing. I'll, I'll be happy if he, if he wins for screenplay because, yeah, I mean, he's the best filmmaker of the last 20 years, probably. Uh, like him and the Coen brothers and like and maybe Tarantino, and that's it. 
So, yeah, the fact that he doesn't have an Oscar is, is kind of ludicrous at this point. I still think he's going to win. Uh, but the category got very interesting when he lost the WGA because it seemed like it was just going to be a clean sweep. And, again, they're still, like, if they don't go Belfast for best picture, which seems unlikely, this this is a place where they could award it, but that's the same thing with Licorice Pizza. Um I still want to go Lakers Pizza, but I don't think that this is like the lock that I thought it was a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, I would not count out uh, Kenneth Branagh here. I, I, I didn't realize Paul Thomas Anderson's been nominated now 11 times, but Kenneth Branagh has been nominated eight times. And believe it or not, he has the record for being nominated. He, he's never won, uh, but Kenneth Branagh has the record for being nominated for the most number of different categories. Uh, he's been nominated eight times in seven different categories. Uh, director... Uh, for Belfast and Henry V, actor for Henry V, uh, adapted screenplay for Hamlet, supporting actor for My Week with Marilyn, uh, picture for Belfast, uh, and now uh, original screenplay. So he's got both screenplays, both actors, director, picture, and and he was nominated for Best Live Action Short in 1993 for a small movie he did called Swan Song. So just fun fact about Kenneth Branagh. I would not be surprised to see Kenneth Branagh win here, but Joel, what do you think? After the, the the Writers Guild Awards, I, I, I kind of felt like a wrench had been thrown in this, but I've kind of calmed down since then. I think I'm still coming back to Licorice Pizza. Um, okay. Because it's just, it's his time. It's it's one of these, it's his time Oscars. And you kind of can sense that. You know, sometimes, like when, when uh, Scorsese won for The Departed, it wasn't necessarily like the best movie he ever done, but it was his time. And this is Paul Thomas Anderson's time. All right. Well, let's move on and talk about best adapted screenplay. I think this is the one where we'll kind of get a sense for picture based on what happens with this award. So you've got uh, Coda with uh, Cyan Header, who's the director, or Heater, uh, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, um, and then uh, Jane Campion nominated uh, for best adapted screenplay here for The Power of the Dog. So this this is a very interesting category that could. Uh, predict things later in the night. Joel, I'll start with you this time. Do you, do you do you go with Cyan Heater? Who, you know, maybe they realize they they should have nominated her for director. Uh, do you go with Jane Campion potentially winning two Oscars on Oscar night? Do they just go out of left field with Drive My Car? What do you think? Uh, that that left field is something I'm going to be watching for at the broadcast. I'm not going to call it though, but I, if it happens, I wouldn't be terribly shocked. Uh, especially with the international voting block that's been added in the last year or so. Um, but in the end of the day, when it comes to making fiction, I'm still going to go with Coda because I think it's a great way for her to get up there on the Oscar stage. Um, and, and if you look at the story and how she constructed it from a script point of view, it's, it is brilliant. It's just, it doesn't work without that script being ironclad perfect. And she just, she nailed it, just like she did the movie itself. Mm. You know, Steve, uh, Coda did win the Writers Guild uh, yesterday. Do you think that's a, a precursor here, or, or what do you think? Yeah, I think it is a, a precursor. Um, I, and, you know, you could probably make a case. I mean, I, I think people have generally coalesced around the idea that Jane Campion is going to win Best Director, and I don't think she's going to get votes necessarily as many in this category. You could make an interesting case for Maggie Gyllenhaal, that idea of movie star turned screenwriter and her first project and, you know, rewarding that. I, in the end, I think this is 
the nomination is her uh, recognition for this. And, and in the end, Coda walks away with the best screenplay award, best adapted. All right, Andrew, what do you think? I agree. I think that Oscar voters are, have checked off Jane Campion on their ballot. They don't need to go and, and give her a second Oscar here. And this is a great place to award Coda, especially if they're voting for Power of the Dog or Best Picture. So this is actually one where I don't think this will necessarily be predictive. So like if Coda wins adapted screenplay, it also it actually might bode better for Power of mm. the Dog as Best Picture because maybe everyone was just saying, oh, I can go here for Coda. And like, this is this is my thing. And it's also gonna win supporting actor. That's enough to recognize this film. Um, I still think it's gonna win, but yeah, I agree. Lost Daughter, I would not count that out. And I think this is pretty close. I, I, I would not be surprised at all to see Power of the Dog win here as well. I mean, that, that was a favorite for a while, but this this real groundswell momentum around Coda, um, that has me thinking it's gonna end up winning this one too. All right. I think, yeah, Coda's the safe pick. I, I, I would probably pick Coda as well. I'm with you guys. All right, let's move on and pick uh, best animated feature film. So we'll kind of change course a little bit here. Uh, the nominees are Encanto, uh, Flea, Luca, Mitchell versus the Machines. Sorry, the Mitchells versus the Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, Joel, I have a one-year-old, but she's not old enough to watch these movies. So, Joel, since you have a, a daughter old enough to watch these movies, and you've, I think, had to sit through most of them, if not all of them, uh, it, I would have to imagine Encanto, which has gotten so much buzz, uh, is the favorite. But I, I've heard from people that Flea is fantastic. I've heard from people that The Mitchells versus The Machines is fantastic. What do you think here? Personally, like like you asked this earlier for another category, if I were to vote, I would vote for the Mitchells versus Machines. I mean, that is just, it's just a great movie, period. Forget that it's animated. It's just a really fun, great movie. Um, but the last nine winners in this category have all come from under the Disney umbrella. I mean, and it's kind of hard to go against them, especially with this groundswell I've kind of been feeling for Canto lately. Um, they put it back in theaters when it did really well on Disney Plus. Um, I just, again, if I'm putting on the prediction hat, I'm going to say Encanto. Yeah. If I want, you know, what I want to win is Mitchell versus Machines. Because I don't think it's going to happen. But Netflix should be proud that their animation division scored a, an Oscar nod. I mean, this is one of their first efforts and shows a lot of promise for where they're going to head in the future. You know, the Mitchells versus the Machines did win the Annie Award. Um, for best animated feature film, but that is not necessarily predictive at all. You, you are right. Disney has dominated this award for the last um, multiple years. Um, the one year they didn't win, I guess, Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, which is sort of Disney. Sort um, of Disney. Sort of Disney, but I guess, was Zootopia Disney? Yes. Oh, yeah, it was. Okay. All right. You'd have to go back a long ways to find a non-Disney film. Rango. Rango. There you go. Yeah. Uh all right, uh, Andrew, what do you think? Encanto here? I think so. I know that Netflix is pouring a lot in the Oscar campaign for Mitchells versus the Machines. So, I mean, they're, they're kind of a words marketing engine is in full steam with this, just, just like it is with Power of the Dog. Um, like you mentioned, it won the Annie, it won the Critics' Choice, but then Encanto kind of swept everything else, the BAFTA, PGA. 
um, which are more predictive than than the Critics' Choice and the Annie Awards. It just feels like it'd be weird if Encanto didn't win, especially, you know, that they had the number one song in the country came from that movie at one point. Uh, yeah, I, I think Encanto is going to end up winning, but, but this is closer than, like, in years where Disney has just been, like, a clear and obvious choice. I think Mitchell versus Machines uh, could pull an upset here. All right. And, uh, Steve, what do you think? Uh, talking about the right two movies, um, you know, we don't talk about Bruno, no, 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 uh, is uh, the song that uh, the earworm for the year. I actually really love Mitchells versus Machines. I like that it wasn't hyper-realistic, uh, that uh, that it has kind of this student film garage band kind of vibe to it that's really different uh, from what uh, Disney does. But I, I think in the end, Encanto is going to walk away with this one. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm going with you guys. I think it'll be Encanto. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with, um, let me see here, Best Original Score. So this this award, by the way, is being announced an hour ahead of time. Uh, you know, I'm surprised when they picked the list of eight that wasn't going to be on the show. Usually they, they like do a nice little musical number with the symphony for best score. But no, we're not getting best score. We're, we're just uh, announcing that. Yeah, ahead of time to keep the, the show shorter. And I actually, as an aside here, I, I fully approve of the Academy's decision to not announce eight awards, you know, during the show. I've always wondered why they hadn't done this before. If anything, I thought maybe they could go up to 12 or, or, or more uh, to make the show more interesting and, and a little tighter. And, and I don't have a problem with them doing this, but I can certainly understand why all the guilds are upset. Um, but regardless, uh, the nominees for best score, you've got Don't Look Up, Nicholas Brattel, uh, Hans Zimmer for Dune, uh, Jermaine Franco for Encanto, Alberto Iglesias for Parallel Mothers, and Johnny Greenwood for The Power of the Dog. Um, Andrew, I'll start with you this time. What do you think about best original score? So Dune has basically swept everything um, on the Golden Globe, the Critics' Choice, and the BAFTA. Hans Zimmer, it's a great score. Yeah. Hans Zimmer. Uh, so I, 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 and I think that you're going to hear me say this a lot <laughs> as we get to the technical categories. I just think that Dune is is looking poised to kind of sweep all the below the line categories, uh, and, and I think it'll start here for sure. Yeah, I, I, I can't even think of like what a second choice would be. I think the second choice is uh, Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead, but yeah, I. I don't know. He actually, I, I actually thought the score for Spencer that he did was better than the score for Power of the Dog, but that didn't come out. Interestingly enough, uh, Hans Zimmer has been nominated, I believe, 12 times for an Oscar. He's only won once before back in 1994 for The Lion King. Um, but Steve, what do, you, what do you think here for best original score? Um, I actually did like Johnny Greenwood's score for The Power of the Dog. I don't think if, if there was going to be an upset here, I think that would probably be it. But I am uh, I, I agree uh, that, that we're entering the territory where Dune is going to win a lot of awards. And I think Hans Zimmer's score is going to win in this category. All right. And Joel, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Hans Zimmer's score is just a masterpiece. It's just, I mean, that was one of the first things that struck me uh, watching Dune was this sweeping list of the score. And I always expect such greatness from Hans Zimmer, but I feel like he just took it up a few notches, if that's even possible. 
uh, for Dune. And I, I just feel like everything else is kind of looking up at Dune. And like, yeah, I agree. I think this is the beginning of a, of a Dune landslide. And I feel like they're going to take everything as we will discuss. Yeah. All right, let's move on and talk about best original song. I think this is becoming a very interesting category. Um, and we're going to get, you know, lots of songs uh, being performed, even songs that weren't nominated. I, I mentioned before in the podcast a few weeks ago, you know, Disney screwed up. They didn't submit. We don't talk about Bruno. So it, otherwise, that would be the odds on favorite. It'll still be performed, but it, it cannot win. Um, and this is where I just wish the Academy had said, hey, maybe we might want to amend our rules a little bit to get the number one song in America that was in a movie nominated for an Oscar. But no, uh, Disney didn't submit it, so it can't uh, it can't win. So your nominees are Be Alive from King Richard. And I guess we're going to get a Beyonce performance for this. Uh, Dos uh, Origuitas. Uh, I have that pronunciation probably wrong uh from encanto music and lyrics by lin manuel miranda um van morrison uh getting nominated for an oscar for belfast with the song down to joy uh billy eilish for no time to die and um diane warren um the kind of the there's always one song in there that you just from a movie that you you kind of forgot about so somehow you do from four good days that that mila kunis uh susan sarandon movie that i don't know who saw it but um steve i'll start with you what do you think about best original song i think by the way isn't that diane warren's 13th i think it's her 13th nomination and she hasn't won right um i don't think this is going to be the spot i don't remember the movie at all i i, I see a lot of movies i never even heard of that one um uh, I think that uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda sort of gets credit uh, with, uh, with We Don't Talk About Bruno when they talk about Dos Origuitas. Uh, but I think this is uh, going to be a spot for Billie Eilish and No Time to Die. Um, I think particularly at a time when the Academy is talking about openly sort of attracting a new generation, finding a way to bridge generations, I think Billie Eilish with an Academy Award is probably... Uh, a great uh, message to send the world. Andrew used to write an American Idol column for us um, back in the day. What do you think here? Best original song? I feel like it's a toss up between the song from Encanto and No Time to Die. No Time to Die won the Golden Globe and the Critics' Choice. Like It feels like the one with the momentum, but I almost feel like Oscar voters are just going to see Encanto and just assume it's we don't talk about Bruno and just vote for it because <laughs> uh, that's the one that they've been hearing and they'll be like, oh, sure, the Encanto song. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to call an upset here and say that uh, that, uh, that that song is going to end up uh, upsetting No Time to Die, but I, I think it, this is a, this is like a, a really neck and neck race. All right, Joel, I have to tell you, I listened to all five of these and I just thought the Billie Eilish one was the best by far. But what do you think? Oh, I agree. I mean, I think it's the category of Brian of best original song. And I think that is the best original song of those five uh, for me uh, as a musician. But I think it's also it's fascinating to me that, that Billie Eilish would win. Um, and it's great that she would win. I think it's, it does exactly what Steve said. It tells the younger generation, hey, there's something over here you might want to watch, uh, which is what they claim they want. Um, but Bond couldn't buy itself an Oscar. 
for so long in this category. And there's been some amazing theme songs from James Bond movies. And if this wins, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this will be the third in a row for a Bond movie. Yeah, well, and Sam Smith Adele won, right? Sam Smith won and yep. Billie Eilish. So, this, yeah. I mean, they go from like zero for 10 or 12 or whatever it was. And now they're going three for three. It's just an interesting turn. Well, you get someone like Billie Eilish to do your music, then it certainly helps. But Yeah, a little bit. All right, let's... I agree with you. I think it'll be Billie Eilish. Uh, let's move on and talk about best sound. So this this is interesting because for years there was sound mixing and sound editing. There, there was also sound effects editing. They changed the sound editing, but they, they kept telling us even during the show, oh, there's such a big difference between sound mixing and sound editing. Such a big difference. And we have to have two different awards for it. And then finally, a year ago, they said, nope, just kidding. Uh, it's all just sound. So we're going to have one award for best sound. And now, you know, two, last year in my pool, I actually gave extra points for best sound because, well, it was like two awards in one. But now it's not even one of the sh uh, the 15 awards that gets to be on the primetime telecast. So now they've really relegated sound. But you can't have a movie without sound, um, including the artist. So uh, the nominees here are Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Joel, I'll start with you. Sometimes in the sound category, they do give it to musicals, which could help uh, West Side Story. But sometimes they give it to more action sci-fi movies that could help Dune. What do you think? Sometimes they give it to war movies, which in some ways, some ways could help Belfast. Yeah. But I think this is, again, this is another one of the Dune landslide spokes in that wheel uh, i think you're not gonna you're not gonna stop dune from winning all of these awards yeah andrew what do you think yeah dunes won everything it won both the sound guild the sound effects editing guild and the sound sound regular sound guild uh awards and it won the bafta um i agree if, if anything's gonna upset it's gonna be west side story but i don't see Dune getting upset here all right and steve what do you think yeah, West Side Story is the is the dark horse, uh, but I think a long shot. I, I think uh, Dune is Dune is going to come away with a lot of Oscars. Yeah, I agree. I, I think yeah, Dune is looking to sweep a lot of the the technical categories, so to speak. So uh, I agree. I think this is this is Dune's all the way, and and the sound was legitimately very good in it. So uh, I don't think it'll be snubbed here. Um, all right, let's move on and talk about best production design. The nominees here are Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Uh, Andrew, I'll go to you first here. What do you think about best production design? Oh, this is going to get repetitive. It's, it's going to be Dune again. Dune again won, has won everything. Um, the, uh, the, the design guild actually has a split between fantasy films and like contemporary films and and nightmare alley won the non-fantasy category so and you know it's guillermo del toro and everything is practical sets and it's you know really well crafted so i could see that as a potential upset but again we're, we're picking like these dark horses to go against doom which is just going to be a juggernaut in these categories yeah it's interesting this used to generally go to period pieces the this category and then uh, we did have Black Panther win this award a few years back. Um, 
as kind of the one sci-fi winner. Mad Max also won this award. So that's probably maybe the closest to Dune. So they're starting to see the Academy kind of open up a little bit here with production design. But you could have something like Nightmare Alley, you know, a period piece, um, have a shot here. Uh, uh, Steve, I'll go to you next. What do you think? I mean, I, I love the production design of Nightmare Alley. I think it's just a great looking uh, movie. I also love West Side Story. I thought the production design uh, was great on that. But uh, this is, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to get into the same repetitive repetitive uh, uh, answer uh, here as uh, as everybody else. I, I like Dune in this, uh, in this category to win. All right. And Joel, what do you think? Yeah. Dune for the win. And, and this is actually a pretty decent category. It was really great production design on all these movies. I mean, I thought the production design was the best part of the tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, just the way that thing looked. I mean, it was just, wow, just blew me away. Any other year, I think we'd be talking about that one. But um, I, I was I'm, I was very excited that it got nominated because I figured that's probably where their joy is going to begin and end. <laughs> all right. I'm going to disagree. I think, I think Nightmare Alley's going to win this one. Mm. I, I think, you know, the Academy doesn't have a long history of loving sci-fi. You know, they, they like some sci-fi movies. You know, Lord of the Rings maybe was a big exception. If you want to call that sci-fi, it's more adventure fantasy. But um, I still think it'll win sound and visual effects and and all those. But I just don't see it quite with the clean sweep i think they might want to go with with the different kind of movie for this category so i could see it being nightmare alley um we'll, we'll see so that's that's my prediction um all right let's move on uh best cinematography uh the nominees here greg fraser greg fraser for dune uh dan lawson for nightmare alley ari wegner for the power of the dog bruno Del Bonnell for The Tragedy of Macbeth and Januz uh, Kaminsky for West Side Story. Joel, I'll start with you. Best Cinematography. Um, I'm sorry. This is starting to feel like a broken record, but it, it's Dune. Dune's going to win. Um, I wish I had to bet on it. I would. Um, but again, this category, like production design, I mean, all the nominees absolutely deserve to be there. And this should be a close race. Um, I would really love to see the final vote tally, not that we ever do, but I would just, this would be a category I'd like to see how the votes broke down. But in the end, it's going to be doing. Interesting. I'm looking here at the last few winners. Mank won this award last year. Then before that, it was 1917, Roma, Blade Runner was a surprise winner. Actually, not a surprise winner. Roger Deakins um, won for that. Blade Runner 2049, La La Land. So kind of all kinds of different movies here. Uh, Steve, I'll go to you next. What do you think? For cinematography, um, yeah, but this is a really loaded category. I mean, all five of these movies look just pretty. Um, but I, I think this is going to be a category where Dune uh, carries carries the day. Um, I mean, Power of the Dog looks great. Tragedy Macbeth is really striking. I thought West Side Story was a beautiful film to look at. Uh, any one of those frames, I think you could hang on a wall as a as a picture. Uh, but I, I'm going to go Dune in this category. All right, Andrew, what do you think? It's got to be Dune again here. It's again, won all the guilds, won all the precursors. Um, yeah, I mean, and I agree. This is a very strong category, so strong that Green Knight, which I thought was just the most beautiful movie I've seen this year, did not even get nominated. Um, but yeah, I think this is another one for Dune. 
Maybe maybe I'm just not feeling the Dune love. I mean, I, I like Dune as well, but I have a hunch it'll be Power of the Dog. Beautifully shot film. You know, I, a lot of the European voters might like it. Uh, you know, maybe I, I just have a hunch it'll be it'll be Power of the Dog. I, I could be wrong, but that that's where my my prediction is because I just don't think the Academy loves sci-fi that much. Um, so. Let's move on, uh, talk about best makeup and hairstyling. The nominees here, Coming to America, uh, Cruella, Dune, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and House of Gucci. Steve, I'll start with you. What do you think about makeup and hairstyling? Well, I, you know, I think that the makeup is so central to the performance of Jessica Chastain in uh, Eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, I mean, it really, to, to see the movie, it really is so much about her eyes um, and the way they're, and I, she's described on interviews about how, uh, you know, how much time she spent in the chair and talked about uh, she's going to skip the red carpet and she's going to go uh, inside for one of the uh, off the broadcast announcements of, of best uh, makeup here. I'm, I'm going to go uh, Eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, what do you think? Uh, I agree with that, but I mean, the one thing that I will throw out that the, you know, that there's always the one weird movie that gets nominated for an Oscar every year this year, it's Coming to America. <laughs> that actually won the, the Makeup and Hairstyle <clears throat> Guild Awards uh, in, in this category. So that is the that is the dark horse to upset, but, but I agree, like, like the, the makeup in that is almost its own character, and it's so essential to, to the film. Um, that I, I feel like it has to win. It, it's it's just like I mean it's it's just as much of the film as, as Jessica Chastain is. Did the original Coming to America get a, a makeup nomination? Because the the makeup in, in that original 1988 Coming to America was actually ahead of its time. Um, when you had Eddie Murphy playing all those those extra characters, but oh, the use of prosthetics were incredible on the thing. Yeah, it doesn't look like it was. I'm looking here. 1988, the winner for best makeup was uh, Beetlejuice. Okay. Um, it was nominated, though. It, it was nominated, yes. Beetlejuice yeah. and Scrooge and Coming to America. There are three, three, three great films. Good year for makeup. Yeah. Yeah. What do you know? Um, and then the following year, Driving Miss Daisy won. I don't know how, how that happened over the adventures <laughs> of Baron Munchausen. <laughs> so. All right. Um, Joel, did I get you for makeup? No, no, but I yeah. just, I, Tammy Faye, I'm with, I'm with the guys here. And I also think there's no way that you award Jessica Chastain and you don't also award the makeup team that made her look like that. Like they didn't turn in the performance that she did, but I don't think, I mean, they, they took her over the finish line. All right. I agree with you guys. I, I think it's, it's going to be the eyes of Tammy Faye um, winning, winning best makeup there. Um, and then it'll be two awards on Oscar night for the eyes of Tammy Faye. So, uh, all right, best costume design. Somehow this award is going to be announced in prime time. So costume design got lucky. Um, so the nominees here are Cruella, Cyrano, Dune, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story. Steve, I'll start with you. What do you think about costume design? Well, I, I'm I'm on Cruella here. I mean, I think it'll look the coolest on the show. Uh, I, again, it's a little bit like uh, makeup in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Cruella is very much dependent on that look and that style, and 
Uh, so I'm going to go Cruella on this. Yeah. Uh, Joel, what do you think? Uh, yeah, this was like, I kind of had a Coda moment with this one where, where I watched Coda and I was like, I think this is the best movie I'm going to see this year. And when I saw Cruella, I was like, if this thing doesn't win Best Costume, it's going to be a crime. And of course, I didn't know what else was going to be coming down the pike. Um, but it was just that striking. So yeah, I mean, I think this is a who would win, who should win, and they're the same. Andrew, Andrew how do you look at costume? Yeah, this is, I agree with everyone. I, I think it's Cruella. This is one of the few technical awards where it's gone head to head with Dune in the precursor season and it's kind of beat it every time. Uh, so yeah, I, I think Cruella ends up winning. You know, it's interesting. This award typically goes to a period piece. Uh, the last few winners here, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Little Women, uh, Phantom Thread, Fantastic Beasts, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, Great Gatsby, Anna Karenina, used to be movies like that. But you do have a couple of sci-fi films here, if you will. Uh, Mad Max won this award, and uh, Black Panther won this award. But I did like the costumes in Dune, but they're not quite to the Mad Max level, I'll say that. Maybe Black Panther was a weaker year. So, yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I guess it's Cruella, although I didn't actually see Cruella. So, I'm... I'm just going with, with with the tide here. So, all right. Uh, next award is Best Film Editing. So it used to be that the film that won Best Picture always won Best Editing. It, it was a great way to predict who would win Best Picture. That has not been the case at all the last few years. As the winners the last few years for, for Best Film Editing, I'm looking here, Sound of Metal, Ford versus Ferrari, Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, Dunkirk, Hacksaw Ridge, you have to go all the way back to Argo to find the film that won editing and picture. Um, the nominees here are Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, uh, The Power of the Dog, and Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, Joel, I'll start with you here. What do you think about best film editing? Um, this is actually a very, very good category as well. Um, I think these are all very well-edited movies. Uh, it would be hard-pressed. Again, I'd like to see the voting on this when I'm all said and done, but I think when all is said and done, we're going to hear Dune being called out of that gorgeous little envelope. Interesting. You know, Andrew, I would say of all the the news, of the eight awards that are being announced in the hour before, this was the one that kind of elicited the most outrage of the eight. Um, the fact that editing is being announced a little early. But um, what do you think about best best film editing? Is it, is it Dune with all those great shots of Zendaya, you know, just not saying anything? Or was it, is it something else? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I feel like two that need to be on the show are film editing and cinematography. Like, those are just such crucial part of, like, the film. Um, so it, it is weird that, that this is getting left off the broadcast. Uh, but what's interesting is at the Ace Awards, um, King Richard and Tick Tick Boom won uh, won those awards uh, for comedy and, and drama. So King Richard actually beat Dune in this category, and I'm guessing it's for all the tennis sequences that are that are really well edited. And you actually like think that those child actors can play tennis as well as Venus and Serena. I heard they were uh, actually good tennis players. Those two. I'm sure girls. they're probably pretty good, but they're probably not as good as Venus and Serena. I'm just gonna fair enough. By the way, I, they'd actually never played tennis before uh, being cast in that movie. So they really? did an amazing job getting to the point, but you're right. There has to be a lot of editing involved. 
Yeah, and they made it seem like John Bernthal was a tennis pro, which I'm sure he talks a lot. <laughs> um, so, and then the other thing is, No Time to Die won the BAFTA, and West Side Story won the Critics' Choice, and they were not—they're not even nominated. So this is a very like up in the air category. But I still want to go Dune. I, I just feel like it's going to be this check, 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 and all the technical awards for Dune. So I'm going to go like Dune here, but. I mean, King Richard could, could easily upset, so could Tick, Tick, Boom. All right, Steve, are you going with Dune as well? What do you think? You know, I love Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, I think if there was a spot where you could maybe pick up a couple of points in your office pool, this might be the spot. But I still think Dune, again, we're, we're all going to sort of be in this, uh, this situation where Dune is going to walk away with the most Oscars, and I think this will be one of them. Interesting. You know, this has been one of the most difficult awards to predict the last few years, I would say. It always seems like there's a surprise in, in film editing and, you know, whoever kind of picks up the three points here or whatever, you know, it is for, for editing, you know, with kind of a surprise pick does does seem to be the pool winner in a lot of years. I don't think I don't think Sound of Metal was a favorite last year when it won. Maybe it was. I, I don't recall. But it does seem like this is an award there where there's surprises. But I, I'm with you. I don't see who else could, could beat Dune here. So um, let's move on to best visual effects. Uh, we've got Dune, Free Guy, uh, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, and uh, Spider-Man gets its one Oscar nomination here, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I got to tell you guys, first of all, Shang-Chi, very underrated, great film. Um, yeah. But, uh, Steve, I don't know. Hey, can anyone beat Dune here? No, I don't think so. I do love Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings. I thought it was, uh, of the Disney movies, of the uh, Marvel movies that came out this year, this was my favorite one. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home, you know, uh, did, did not get any love from the Academy. Uh, I think this is going to be Dune. It is a blockbuster um, it's, it doesn't feel like, uh, obviously it's not Spider-Man, but it was a blockbuster. Uh, the effects are amazing. And yeah, I, I think given the look of the film and, uh, and a, another spot to recognize him. All right, Andrew, what do you think? Visual effects? It's, this has got to be Dune. This might be the most of all the ones where like, it's Dune, it's Dune. This might be the most convincingly Dune for sure. All right. I, I agree with that. Joel, do you agree? Yes, it is. It is the most Dooney. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we're getting now to the uh, lesser-known categories. This is where you can really, uh, you know, pick up points in your pool if you if you've seen all of these, which most people haven't. So uh, we'll start with best international feature film. The nominees here are Drive My Car, Flea, The Hand of God, uh, Luca, uh, Lunana, uh, A Yak in the Classroom. Uh, from Bhutan, and then The Worst Person in the World from Norway. Um, Joel, I'll start with you. Um, usually when you have a film nominated for Best Picture that's an a international film, usually that does also win international feature film. That being said, I have heard from so many people that The Worst Person in the World is just a fantastic movie, and if anything could upset it, you, you think it might be that. W what do you think here? Actually, I, I might put forward Flea as a potential upset person here. I mean, this was, that, that was a phenomenal hmm. movie, uh, the way it was put together. Um, I think it probably should have been nominated in a few other categories, but that's neither here nor there. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think actually at the end of the day, it's going to be the, the movie that got a nomination, uh, like Drive My Car did. And, and people have just been buzzing about that movie. And it's been, of these five movies, I, I heard all kinds of crazy buzz about worst person in the world. But since Drive My Car has come out, I've heard nothing but Drive My Car. So I think that's just another one where a momentum shift happened and Drive My Car will win. All right. Uh, Andrew, I know you love Drive My Car. Do you think it'll win here? I think so. I mean, I think that this is a, an unusually, not only like strong, but like uh, filled with movies that people actually saw, like Worst Person in the World and Flea. Um, I think Drive My Car has been, did, did a good service to itself by getting on HBO Max, like right around when, when voting started to, to give everybody another opportunity to see it. Um, I mean, it's just, it's an excellent movie. It's just an absolutely excellent movie. Uh, so so I, I think it's going to win uh, in this category. And, you know, it's similar to last year, another round one, uh, when Thomas Vinterberg also got nominated for Best Director. Um, it seems like the, there's been a lot of international directors that, that, that sneak in in that Best Director category, and then their film ends up winning Best International Feature. And sometimes Best Picture, like Parasite. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that that's going to end up winning in this category. All right. And uh, Steve, what do you think? Uh, well, shout out to Paolo Sorrentino, uh, Hand of God. I'm a huge Paolo Sorrentino fan. He's not going to win here. You know, a, a movie that has enough support for a Best Picture nomination, almost certainly, and I think, uh, has got the support to win international feature films. So I'm going to go with Drive My Car. Yeah, no, I agree with you. If, if it's going to get a Best Picture nomination and and the fact that the voters don't have to have seen all the films, they used to have seen all the, they used to be required to see all the films in order to vote in this category. They don't have to anymore. So a lot of these voters may have just seen Drive My Car and nothing else. So uh, I have to think Drive My Car would is, is the favorite here. If they've seen another movie, it would probably be the worst person in the world because it got a screenplay nomination, but I, I still think it'll be Drive My Car. So. Um, all right, let's move on to Best Documentary Feature. Uh, the nominees here, Ascension, Attica, Flea. You got Flea nominated here. Um, and uh, Summer of Soul and Writing with Fire. Steve, I'll start with you. Uh, any thoughts about Best Documentary? Yeah, I'm going to go Summer of Soul here. Um, I thought, uh, you know, they, they were able to put together you know, unbelievable archival stuff to capture a particular moment in history. Um, I, Flea was very, very good. Um, I like Summer of Soul, though, in this spot. Joel, is, is this where Flea gets its Oscar, or are you going with, uh, with Summer of Soul? No, no, uh, I think it's Summer of Soul. And I think what Questlove did, uh, going through those 40, 50 hours of footage, and what he cut that down to a two-hour, just a spellbinder. Um, an important movie too. I think it's an important movie that, that kids see in high school and stuff like that. And I think the Oscar will help uh, that effort get the word out about this movie. Yeah. Um, Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the Beatles get back, right? I mean, he, he kind of did the same thing there that Peter Jackson did with the Beatles get back. This film has swept all the precursors um, so yeah, I, and you know, it's, and it's it's been available to be seen in a lot of different places. So I think a lot of people have seen this movie as well. Um, and it's about music, and, and I think that music documentaries have fared well the last few years. Like 
you know, Plus like Buena Vista Social Club and and Vita Peep for Stardom or whatever it's called, like that th those have done well in, in these categories. So I think this will be another one like that that, that picks up the win. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it looks like Summer of Soul for, for sure. Um, let's move on to Best Documentary Short Subject. Uh, the nominees here, Audible, Lead Me Home, The Queen of Basketball, Three Songs for Benazir, and When We Were Bullies. Um, uh, Steve, I'll start with you again since you're the Sports Talk host. It seems like the momentum here is behind Queen of Basketball. Yeah, outside shot for Audible, but I like Queen of Basketball to win here. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, what do you think? I agree with Queen of Basketball. I could see um, the three songs for Benazir picking up momentum. I mean, that one was acquired by Netflix late and, and kind of put up by, on, by Netflix late in the game on their service. So I think people have had a chance to see it. It's tough because I think Netflix has three nominees here and they, they might kind of like split their campaign and split the vote. And Queen of Basketball has been picking up a lot of these kind of festival awards and, and things like that. Um, plus, sometimes with these things, it has a good title. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. And that, that seems to be where people vote. Uh, so I, I think that that'll end up winning. Yeah, what was that one? Heaven Heaven is being Heaven stuck is in the traffic jam on the 405. Yeah, right? that was. All that were like, this has to win. Check. <laughs> right. Right. Remember, Kobe Bryant won for Deer Basketball, I think is yeah. what it was called. Yeah. But in this category, too. Yeah. Um, or was he, he was animated short, I thought. Yeah. Oh, that was oh, animated. animated. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Um, and Joel, your pick here? Uh, Queen of Basketball, although I would urge anybody listening to this to check out When We Were Bullies, uh, given the kind of the attention that we've been putting on bullying and, and how it can really affect people's lives lives and things like that it, it's it's a powerful piece all right uh we'll race through the last two here uh and then i want to get to some other fun things uh animated short the nominees here affairs of the art bestia box ballet robin robin or the windshield wiper joel your pick i think this is where netflix animation gets their foot in the door uh, in the oscar world i think uh, robin robin wins okay andrew I, I tend to agree with that. It's also an Ardman movie. You know, they're known for Wallace and Gromit, Chicken Runs. So it's they're a pretty renowned animation studio. But to, to throw out the title theory, Bestia, legendary restaurant in Los Angeles. Yes. I could see some people maybe voting for that because you know, they just had dinner there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah, I think, uh, I think Robin and Robin wins. Last time I was at Bestia, I was there. With, I saw LeVar Burton. So, um, yeah, I don't know if he's a voter, but... Steve, what do you think? Uh, I came down to Robin Robin and the Windshield Wiper, uh, which I liked a lot, but I think Robin Robin Netflix uh, breaks through in this category. Okay, got it. I'm, I'm going with Robin Robin as well. And then last one, live action short, the nominees here. Uh, a la Kachu, Take and Run, The Dress, The Long Goodbye, On My Mind, and Please Hold. Uh, Steve, uh, what do you think here? I uh, can speak as somebody who's seen none of these, <laughs> uh, but but read a bunch about them, and I think the long goodbye is the one that seems to have the most momentum. You know, Riz Ahmed is listed as yeah. a producer. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. So he gets an Oscar. Yeah, for the long yeah. goodbye. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah, it's actually, it's a, it's like a visual. So he had a. I don't know if you know this. This is his second studio album. He's also a musician. 
collection. So this was like a visual piece of art that went along with that album. And this goes back to, we've had this on the podcast for many years. If there's a live action short with someone you've heard of that is involved in it, that tends to win. So yeah, that, that definitely like, I think that's the win. All right. And Joel, what do you think? Yeah, I'm all about the long goodbye. I remember when I first got an ad on Facebook, I don't know, like two, three months ago for that movie. And I saw it and they're like, for your consideration, I'm like, oh, Riz, you just, you just got yourself an Oscar. <laughs> for the very reason that Andrew mentioned on this podcast many years ago. But a star in a short? Yeah. Anytime you have like a decent sized star in one of these shorts, they, they have a good shot. Okay. Some other quick awards I want to bring up just for fun here. This is the first time they're doing the Oscars fan favorite, meaning you can vote on Twitter for your favorite movie. We already have the People's Choice Awards, but this is this is different because you vote on Twitter. Very scientific. I mean, um, not on Instagram, not on TikTok or Snapchat, but Twitter. Um, so you pick your favorite, I'm not even quite sure how this works, but you just hashtag it and you, you pick a movie. Um, anyone want to jump in here? What, who's the Oscars fan favorite this year? I mean, I guess it's going to be Spider-Man, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's where Spider-Man gets its Oscar evening joy. Yeah, I mean, it should, but there's this weird sort of campaign going on for Cinderella. Oh, yeah. Um, where there's like this kind of uh, let's all get together and, and make Cinderella the winner in this category. I I think it could actually be Cinderella. I heard that was which really bad. Was on, which would be so Oscar-y yeah. if uh, Spider-Man does not win <laughs> in this category. I heard that Cinderella movie was not very good. The Camilla Cabello Cinderella, right? Yeah. yeah. But apparently a lot of uh, teenage girls have got access to Twitter in the hashtag oh, yeah. fan movie. Look, I'm all for it. I'm all for chaos in this category. This is such <laughs> a dumb idea that I, I want I want it to be like some Bruce Willis VOD movie. Jackass. Yeah, yeah, Jackass <laughs> would be great. Yeah, something like that I want it to win this category. All right. Uh, the next thing I want to ask uh, real quick. We didn't even have a chance to talk about the hosts. The hosts were announced uh, after we did our last podcast. We have Regina Hall, uh, Wanda Sykes, and Amy Schumer. So, you know, if you were going to watch the Oscars before, but you found out Regina Hall was going to host it, now you're going to watch it. I just find that a little hard to believe. Don't get me wrong. I, I like Regina Hall. I, I even, I love Wanda Sykes. She's great. But could you at least pick three people who had some common thread? These people have nothing in common. <laughs> it's nothing in common at all. Um, it was like the year that they had Paul Hogan, Chevy Chase, and Goldie Hawn hosted or something. It's just like, why? Um, but three people, and, and none of these three people, I mean, Amy Schumer's probably the biggest name, but none of them are as big as Chevy Chase, Golden ha Goldie Hawn, or even Paul Hogan back in the 80s. So uh, any, any quick thoughts about those three being picked to host. I mean, I, I guess Amy Schumer is the host to promote that new Hulu show. I think that's what what was going on there. Well, Amy Schumer is I, she's she's one of great my favorite comics. So so I, I actually am excited for for her. I do agree with you that there's a randomness um, with the selection of Regina Hall and Wanda Sykes. Although I guess the idea here is no one person will get the blame for screwing up the Oscars, right? Uh, they'll be able to divide it amongst the hosts. Uh, I think that's a, a good reason for uh, for there to be multiple hosts. But I, 
you know, I, I, I love Amy Schumer. I'll be interested to yeah. see what she does in that room. You know, I thought Amy Schumer would have been a great host, you know, right around the time Trainwreck came out like five years ago. That would have been a really good, like big name host. Um, I feel like her star has faded a little bit, but even so, I, I think you could sell Amy Schumer as a host alone, even though the, some people don't don't like her at all. Uh, but to have Amy Schumer then with Wanda Sykes and Regina Hall just strikes me as a little strange. And then it's like, who are we promoting here? It, it doesn't really, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But that's that's just my well, two cents. I was reading that that wasn't even their first choice. Their first choice was somebody that we talked about. Oh yeah, well, it was probably Steve their eighth Martin. choice. Short and Steve Martin, yeah. And Selena yeah. Gomez, but because of scheduling issues on, on one of their parts, it just it wouldn't work. Well, I thought their first choice for the last ten years has been The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and and then or, or maybe there was a chance he could co-host it with Emily Blunt because it's you know ABC Disney, and and then there was talk about Tom Holland and Zendaya co-hosting, but yeah. that didn't work out. So here we are. Um, that felt too hip and contemporary, I think, for the Oscars. Yeah. Plus, I heard that they're, the way they're breaking it down, uh, Will Packer actually is producing the show. Um, and he, um, I've seen some interviews with him where they've toyed with the idea of each host taking an hour, and they are determined to keep it under three hours. Yeah. So each mm. host gets an hour. So it's like you'll have three individual hosts. It's not that they'll necessarily come out together. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I even think you could sell Wanda Sykes as a host, but a, a solo host. I, I, you know, she's she's well liked. She's been around a long time, um, but the three of them together, I, I don't know. But all right, and the the final award we predict, uh, or the Razzie for worst picture, so the nominees here: Diana the Musical, Infinite from Paramount Plus, Karen, which I hadn't even heard of before. Um, it's a horror film about a Karen. Uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy uh, with LeBron. And uh, The Woman in the Window, uh, the Amy Adams movie. So <laughs> um, I didn't see any of these movies. Um, but anyone want to chime in here for prediction for the Razzie? I saw A Woman in the Window, and it is awful. <laughs> it is <laughs> unbelievable. Um, I think it's going to be Diana the I think that that was, I've, I've seen clips of it. It seems like five insane people just kind of threw something up on the streaming service. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, I think those tend to win with the Razzies. Like last year, the My Pillow guy won for best picture. Yeah, they tend to go worst picture. That aren't necessarily like they tried to make a real movie and was bad. So that's why I feel like really like Woman in the Window or Space Jam should win because those are actual real movies. They're not just like, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's where this thing has been going, and I think it's going Yeah, last year's winner was Mike Lindell for Absolute Proof, um, but the year before that was Cats, which wasn't oh, a... Oh, well, that, I mean, that is just... Very well-deserved. Yeah. An, an attempt to make a real movie. The year before that, Adam McKay actually won for Holmes and Watson, so um, Razzie Award winner. So, all right. Joel, you see a lot of movies. Did you see any of these? Uh, sadly, yes. Um, I got to review everything. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I agree with Andrew that I think they, lately they've been going with uh, kind of splash uh, yeah. making headlines. You know, this one won the Razzies. They're picking on Diana. I think they're getting a lot of press on that. 
All right. And Steve, you want to make a, a pick here? Well, first of all, I'd like to defend LeBron James, who I have to deal with on a yeah. regular basis to ESPN on the home of the Lakers. So I yeah. don't believe he should be in this category. Um, I actually watched every single minute of uh, Diana the Musical. It is so fantastically, deliciously awful. It absolutely deserves to win here. All right. I, I agree with you guys. I think it'll win. I do want to say, I thought it was very unfair, and I did wind up seeing Dear Evan Hansen. I thought it was very unfair that Ben Platt got a nomination for this movie. I know he looks a little old, but he, he, he won a Tony for this move for this performance. Uh, I, I, would have, I, I wouldn't have nominated him. Um, actually, I really like that movie. I'm not going to lie. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I'm, can I just jump in yeah. and say I really like Dear Evan Hansen, too? Yeah, I did, too. I did, too. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, me, I too. Yeah. I mean, I don't get the hate. I just don't get it. Yeah, I, it really it really moved me, i got to say. Uh, but the best category is, is the worst performance by Bruce Willis in a 2021 movie. Eight movies he was in. Wow. Um, <laughs> American Siege, Apex, Cosmic Sin, Deadlock, Fortress... Midnight in the Switchgrass, Out of Death, and Survive the Game. You know, it's funny. I get, I get these PR emails for like these video on demand movies with Bruce, Bruce Willis, and it's like, what happened to the guy? Um, but yeah, he gets paid like a million dollars to work two days on them. Huh? I, I think that's what he wants to do now. I mean, he makes right. like eight of them a year. All right. Well, I think that will do it. So we'll be back uh, right after the show to. Uh, talk about how right or wrong we were. Uh, but the Oscars are this Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Um, should be an interesting show. It'll be interesting to see what the final rating is. Um, but that will do it. So I want to thank Joel Amos, Andrew Payne, and Steve Mason joining me. Uh, that'll be it. And uh, have a great night, everyone. Goodbye.